This is the weekly sermon from Church of the Holy Trinity, a Reformed Episcopal parish in the Anglican Church of North America in Houston, Texas. Find us online at holytrinityrec.org. Find us on Facebook as Holy Trinity Houston, and on Twitter and Instagram as Holy Trinity REC. Enjoy the sermon. Mercifully look upon thy people. This line that we prayed in the Collect Prayer for Passion Sunday reflects well on our psalm selection. Throughout the season of Lent, we're confronted with reminders of our sin nature, of our propensity to sin. We are reminded that we do not have it within ourselves to save ourselves. We need rescue. We need a redeemer. But how do we reply to the work of God's redemption If we answer the call to repent and to turn to God, what does the aftermath of our lives thereafter resemble? Our psalm today provides an answer, loving gratitude resulting in praise and worship of God. On this Passion Sunday, let us continue our meditations upon the 102nd Psalm. Verse 21 of our psalm begins, that they may declare in Zion the name of the Lord and in Jerusalem his praise. Our lives in Jesus Christ are full of opportunities to declare the name of God in praise of him, in fidelity to him. As 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3 states, Therefore I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Our worship service is full of examples for us to declare by our voices and even our physical motions that we have faith in God and that we serve Jesus Christ. We all stand, as we just did a few minutes ago, and declare in unison one of the creeds every time we celebrate Holy Communion and whenever we say the daily offices. Declaring our faith and praise to God is both private and public. In our psalm, this declaration is in Zion, in Jerusalem. This means the deeply private aspect of our faith is always, must always translate to the public. Too often in our own nation where we value so many freedoms, we have a tendency to over-privatize our faith to the point we shun anyone that wants to live their faith out, if you will, publicly as a witness. Now, we're not speaking of a prideful declaration to gain the notice of the world. We're speaking of the sort of declaration that seeks to obey the great commission of Jesus to spread the gospel through teaching, baptizing, and discipleship. While this world seeks to silence Christians by seeking every way possible to keep us private, we're called to declare our faithfulness for the world to see It's part of our obedience and the spread of the good news. For those seeking self-preservation, if you will, from a worldly perspective, trying to flee persecution or suffering, staying private about their faith is appealing. They don't want to suffer, so it's better to keep the faith in-house, if you will, with others in like mind, with little to no reaching out to the lost. Yet this is completely opposite of what we read of Jesus doing in his ministry, as well as the disciples after him. 
as they obeyed his voice, his voice to spread the gospel. In many ways, in our increasingly online world, the promotion of the gospel to the ends of the world and in our immediate area is easy as having a connection to the internet and some basic equipment. Efforts, if you will, to push back against a live online presence in terms of worship, preaching, and teaching are really just variations on arguments that the church needs to stay private and out of the public eye. We're called to go where people are as Christians, and in our climate, that is through the online platforms. As the faithful, this means part of declaring our praise and fidelity to God is not only being present on Sunday mornings and other times to worship, but also to promote the church and its teachings through the circles of friends that we have online. Verse 22 continues, when peoples gather together in kingdoms to worship the Lord. This continues what we read in the previous verse, going from declaring the name of the Lord in fidelity and praise now to gather the peoples and kingdoms together to worship the Lord. We see this verse fulfilled in the opening chapters of the book of Acts with the coming of the Holy Spirit to indwell Christians, to start the church. Very quickly in that book, we read of peoples from all over the world and many different languages converting to serve Jesus Christ. They took their new faith with them to every part of the known world at the time. And as the book of Acts continues, and in the New Testament as well, these peoples gathered in the various countries and cities they lived for worship. We are called in spreading the gospel to bring people into the body of Jesus Christ to worship God with us as fellow believers. It is part of reaching the lost to not only tell them the good news, but to walk with them, sponsor them, support them as they enter the, enter the church in faith through teaching and baptism. The rest of their lives are to be incorporated into the church through regular gathering and worship regular fellowship as the body. We gather not in the hope of someday figuring it all out enough that we might be good enough for God to let us in the door into heaven. No, we are able to gather in worship as grateful and redeemed people that could not save themselves. We gather in worship of our King that secured our salvation, our eternal life, as our lesson in Hebrews verse. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 12 states of the work of Jesus that he secured an eternal redemption. This securing leads not to a life that's static and in place, but to what we see in Hebrews 9 14. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself through blem without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? This service to God through Jesus is manifested in gathering together in worship out of gratitude, being encouraged through reminder and participating in Holy Communion that he alone saves us. We move further and further away from the service of good works to serve God by obedience in every step of our lives. And it begins with our worship and obedience to gather. Every aspect of our worship is critical from the opening prayers and lessons to the word preached, to confession and hearing that our sins are forgiven in Christ, to gathering for communion 
And finally, to be blessed by God in his name to go from this place to declare the gospel. Verse 23 continues of our psalm. He was broken by strength in mid-course. He has shortened my days. This This verse harkens back to earlier in Psalm 102, where the psalm spoke of the shortness of life. The season of Lent teaches us that worship continues even in the midst of troubling times and troubling seasons. This is why some of the more joyous parts of the prayer book liturgy during these penitential seasons are fasted from or omitted, such as replacing the glory in excelsis at the end of the service with a penitential hymn or song and the last acclamation leaving out the alleluia. It is all meant to teach the importance of worship in the lean times when our inclination is to skip worship altogether. Such is meant to teach anew our need for Jesus due to our sins, that only in his finished work can we truly hope and praise him fully. Lent, in omitting some of the joyous parts of the liturgy, aids us to realize how bleak life was before Jesus Christ. This yearly reminder keeps us grounded in him, in dependence upon him. It keeps us humble and that we are sinners in need of rescue. It helps us to stave off pride by knowing anew the lesson of this verse in our psalm and many other places of the brevity of life. We have but this brief life to live for our Savior. The seasons of the church year help us to make the best of the time we have as seeing all time as God's time to worship him from the church sanctuary to every aspect of our lives. Our final verse in the psalm states, O my God, I say, take me not away in the midst of my days, you whose years endure throughout all generations. Again, we see the psalmist speaking of the brevity of life and God's plea to save us. Even with the short spans of our lives, we're always grounded in the knowledge that God endures throughout all generations. No matter how dark the times, we know God endures and continues to love us as our dear Savior, Shepherd. In Jesus alone are we able to endure through the time given to live. Jesus alone are we able to rest in his arms no matter how weary life becomes. He continually gives us rest and peace in his finished work as our only advocate and mediator at the right hand of God. He is not aloof from our lives, but present. Yet this means it's important how we spend the time he grants us. Do we waste it in the many rabbit trails that tempt us? Or do we find rest and peace in him through all we say and do, realizing our lives are a call to constantly declare his name in praise and gratitude? Without thankfulness for what he has done for us, we are nothing. In our time, whether we are going through travails or times of ease, we're tempted by so much that seeks to take our eyes and our dependence away from Christ. As Paul reminds us in Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 through 9. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, 
whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. May we in this Lent continue to call upon the name of the Lord in our praise and worship, thinking upon him in all our moments. May we call upon his name for help to endure and to thrive by his grace. May our lives be living sacrifices unto him. Jesus has redeemed us by his death, securing an eternal inheritance for us. May we most of all remain grateful in a world that is increasingly ungrateful. May we in this world that seeks retribution and vengeance that can never be satisfied be beacons of light of the way of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. We beseech thee, almighty God, mercifully to look upon thy people, that by thy great goodness they may be governed and preserved evermore, both in body and soul, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.